Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Last night was different in Oakland. For the first time since protests started there last week, there were no flashbang grenades, no tear gas, and no arrests. And protests throughout the Bay Area over the killing of George Floyd by Minneapolis police were calmer, too. KQED's Aaron Baldessari reports. Mila B. worries about her four sons. The oldest is 10, Not quite a teenager, but she's already having conversations with him about what to do if he's stopped by police. Put your hands up. Don't say nothing. Get on the ground. If they tell you, just get, raise your hand. Don't don't do nothing because they're going to automatically think you're resisting because of the color of your skin. It's something that weighs heavily on Dion Green as well. The 28-year-old is a lifelong Oakland resident. I have a wife, soon-to-be kid. It's it's a frightening moment living in today's society. It, It really is. Both B and Green want a future where their children do respect the police a future where their children feel relief when they see officers, not fear that one mistake could result in their death. Destiny is a 23-year-old Oakland resident. She declined to give her last name, but said it this way. We just want to be looked at as humans. We want equality. We should not have to beg to be equal. We should not have to beg to be human. Several hundred people gathered in two separate locations in Oakland Tuesday evening. Both demonstrations ended without incident. For the California Report, I'm Aaron Baldessari. Here in L.A., protesters marched in Hollywood and downtown, and things stayed civil. It was a beautiful sight to Pastor Winfred Bell from Mount Olive Missionary Baptist Church in Watts as he marched to L.A. City Hall. Love and harmony demonstrated in a nonviolent way. Dr. King is pleased. He's pleased. This is how we're supposed to do it. As long as we can show that we're intelligent, spiritual, and moral, we can get results in this nation. We can't do it by violence because they got more power than we do. So the only way that you can beat hate is with love. And this is love, baby. As police officers and protesters come face to face on the streets during demonstrations, cops are being increasingly challenged to do this by protesters. That's demonstrators outside of LAPD headquarters asking a line of police officers in front of them to take a knee. That to show respect for the march's message, an end to police violence and institutional racism. Thank you. This earns respect for you. This will earn you respect. And in this case, the cops, many of whom were people of color themselves, did take a knee. Protester John Bernard was grateful. How important is that for you to see? Man, it's vitally important. It's vitally important. We are human beings before we're anything else. 
If I prick my finger right now, the same red blood that comes out of my veins is going to come out of yours. So it's about people seeing this. Everybody ain't rioting. Everybody ain't looting. Everybody ain't fighting. Some of us are trying to really make a change. So if it's just a few that stand with us today and take a knee, that's the picture. That's the image. That's the blueprint that people need to see. Now, I'll admit when I posted a photo I took of the cops taking a knee on Twitter, many pointed out that images of law enforcement officers kneeling might obscure larger issues like institutional racism and law enforcement. That might all be true, but all I can say is that in that time and at that place, it seemed like a small, hopeful example of how differences can be bridged. In recent days, millions of Californians have gotten jarring text alerts on their phones, advising them about curfews in their respective cities and counties. Maybe you were surprised by the curfews and had to rush home from work or shopping. Elected officials and law enforcement say the curfews help keep people safe and restore order. But others disagree, like the Southern California chapter of the American Civil Liberties Union, which has asked L.A. County to revise or rescind the curfew there. The California reports Mary Franklin Harvin reports. According to the letters the ACLU sent Mayor Garcetti and the LA Board of Supervisors, the current curfew orders violate Angelino's freedom of speech and assembly. The group is concerned that the orders give police too much discretion over who they arrest. But advocates say curfews help temper the destructive aspects of protest activities. L.A. City Council member Paul Koretz represents the city's 5th district and talked about his constituents' experiences in a recent city council meeting. Mom and pop businesses in my district, many owned by immigrants, many owned by black and brown individuals, have all been lost. Koretz says he's been criticized for focusing on property damage, but he also says it's more than that. I would argue that uh, it's not just property. We've devastated a lot of lives. Um, and we can't be expected to just sit by and say that that's okay. He's asked Mayor Garcetti to make the city's curfew more expansive. LAPD confirmed it has arrested 2,700 demonstrators since the start of the protests, but only 200 of those arrests have been linked to robbery or vandalism. Ahilan Arulanantham, senior counsel at ACLU SoCal, says these figures are just further support that counties in Southern California are suppressing a huge amount of very important peaceful protest in the name of stopping a small number of people who in a few places have engaged in looting. David Levine is a law professor at UC Hastings in San Francisco. With a curfew, the issue is uh, whether it solves a problem or creates a problem in the sense that if the populace thinks that the government is coming down with too heavy a hand, It might just enrage people and maybe even get more people out on the streets. But consider the alternatives, Levine says. And in contrast, for example, the president's threat to put the military on the streets, which I think by and large has been condemned by elected officials. So I think the perception is, given the amount of damage that we've seen in Oakland, in Los Angeles, a curfew is a modest escalation in pressure to get people to peacefully protest and to comply with the law. But it's not just protesters who are impacted by curfew orders. It's a lot of regular people who are considered exempt from them, too, says Arulan and them, like essential workers. If you are a essential worker, you have to believe that the color of your skin and also what you're wearing and things like that are going to influence 
how safe you feel in being able to assert this exemption uh, when the police try to stop you. And it's ironic because that is the underlying issue that the protests are about. And the government's response is just heightening the exact injustice that the protests were trying to address in the first place. In the meantime, counties and cities statewide continue to confirm new and existing curfew orders, some with end dates that last until, quote, further notice. For the California Report, I'm Mary Franklin Harvin. The LAPD would not offer a comment on curfews, and Oakland PD did not respond in time for the airing of this story. Of course, whether it's done with love or anger, the goal of protesters is systemic change. But what does that mean in terms of brass tax legislation? California's African-American state lawmakers have a list of bills they want to see passed this year. CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon has more from Sacramento. A day after Governor Gavin Newsom said demonstrators are right to feel outraged, the Black Caucus called on him and other lawmakers to support a list of their priorities. It includes bills dealing with police oversight, parole and probation reforms, reparations and affirmative action. Democratic Senator Stephen Bradford says these policies are a start, but he also challenged non-African Americans to step up in their everyday lives, too. It's not enough to say you're no longer a racist. It's not enough to say that. It's time to prove it. It's time to challenge your family, your friends, and your colleagues in stopping their racist behavior. It's only then, Bradford says, that there can be true reform. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento. Child care advocates in California were expecting to see funding cuts in Governor Gavin Newsom's revised budget proposal following the COVID-19 pandemic. But some worry one cut in particular could make it harder for the state's poorest kids to get care. KQED Politics reporter Katie Orr has the story. Child care provider Pat Alexander has hung on to her in-home child care center during the pandemic, but just barely. Now she's worried about a proposed 10% cut to the amount of money the state gives her to care for children from low-income families. The rate is already lower than what she charges her other families. I've always operated with subsidy families and low-income families and always worked with them. And now they do this 10% cut. That's still a chunk of money, and it adds up. You know, my cost of living didn't change. It didn't go down 10 percent. Alexander says if the cuts go through, she may have to stop taking families who pay with subsidies. That's exactly what advocates are worried will happen. Kristen Schumacher is a senior policy analyst with the California Budget and Policy Center. She says child care providers already operate on razor-thin margins. And because of social distancing and increased cleaning expenses, they're already taking care of fewer kids at increased cost. So it's really put a crunch on their budget. And for some, it's going to be untenable. And they're not going to be able to cover their operating costs and remain open. And so we may lose providers in our subsidized system as a result. There are already nearly 2 million children in California whose families qualify for state subsidies but can't find a spot. That may be one reason why the governor's proposed rate cut has been met with resistance from state lawmakers. The Senate Budget Committee rejected the changes. Democratic Assemblyman Kevin McCarty from Sacramento says the rate cuts could hurt the entire economy. People that work in this field would potentially lose their livelihood, lose their jobs. But more importantly, we lose 
places for people to send their kids so they can get back to work. How can people get back to work if they have no place to send their kids during the day? Newsom's proposal calls for the cuts to be eliminated if the state receives more financial assistance from the federal government. For the California Report, I'm Katie Orr in Sacramento. And an update on a story we brought you yesterday. It was about Facebook employees publicly criticizing Facebook founder and CEO Mark Zuckerberg for not wanting to take down or flag some of Donald Trump's most incendiary social media posts. Now, at least one Facebook employee has resigned on principle over this. In a social media post, engineer Timothy Avney wrote he was leaving the company because it's, quote, complicit in the propagation of weaponized hatred. Leaders of civil rights organizations who held a conference call with Zuckerberg say they were stunned and dismayed by how he explained why Facebook has left up Trump's posts. Here's Rashad Robinson, executive director of the group Color of Change, talking to CNBC. If regular citizens get, can get removed from social media sites for inciting violence, from um, harassment, then the most powerful, we have to actually have a standard for the most powerful person in the world whose harassment and attacks actually can lead to the type of um, deep levels of violence that we sort of know. In a video chat meeting with Facebook employees yesterday, Zuckerberg said he won't change his mind about his decision regarding Trump's posts. And that is the California Report for Wednesday, June 3rd, a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Be well and have a good day. Support for the California Report comes from California Earthquake Authority, a not-for-profit offering earthquake insurance to help Californians protect their financial futures. For more information, visit earthquakeauthority.com. Personal Capital, offering remote telefinance services with financial advisors and digital financial planning tools, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose fund for strategic innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Dirfatah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. 
Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading!